Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Здравствуйте, доброе утро. Очень приятно здесь с вами быть. I'm just making sure you guys are away. You know, with a name like Vladimir Viktorovich Proknevsky, most everyone expects this thick Eastern European accent, but I just want to apologize in advance. I lost my Eastern European accent somewhere in East Tennessee. I always jokingly say that when a Southern accent meets any accent in the world, the Southern accent wins every time. That's exactly what happened to me. And uh, I do love how in the South, how people say my name. See if I get this right. In East Tennessee, in Kingsport, Tennessee, they called me Vladimir. They would say, Vladimir, boy, you ain't from around here. Let me tell you, I'm not from around here. But um, I, I, I got to experience Southern hospitality at its best. Let me tell you, when we moved to the United States, I come from a family of nine kids. And in 2000, when I was only 12 years old, we moved to East Tennessee, and we had two churches that sponsored our move. And we got to experience Southern hospitality at its best. Because first of all, two churches, two different denominations, which was a shock to us. Because in our culture, usually denominations fight with each other. But here we got to see two denominations coming together in Jesus' name, putting away their differences, to love and serve a family that they don't even know. And, and it was beautiful to see church members would come to our house. They would bring, they'd take us shopping. They would uh, take us on their vacations with them. They mentored us. They taught us English. They helped us get jobs. But most importantly, they introduced us to Southern food. I remember the first time trying biscuits and gravy, which is really awesome. Then they introduced us to sweet iced tea. In my culture, if you serve somebody sweet iced tea, you can get beat up because we drink hot tea. But the first time I tried it, I just remember thinking, wow, we were drinking it wrong. And never mind that it was like liquid diabetes, but let me tell you, that's probably what washed away my accent. I blame sweet iced tea. And, but man, I, I've just been blessed. I'm the product of the prayers of my family. I truly feel like I got to experience the promised land because of the prayers of my parents. I come from a family of, of nine children. My father was an underground pastor in Kiev, Ukraine. And before I forget, both of my parents are still alive today. They live up in Columbus, Ohio, where it's so flat. There's somebody, yeah, where it's so flat you can watch your dog run away for three days, possibly even four, if the cornfields are not in the way. But they're just amazing godly people. You know, that saying, preach the gospel, and if you have to use words, is how I would describe my parents. They lived it out. They walked it out. Prayer was such a huge part of their lives, especially from mom and dad, especially uh, dad, because he, was, he pastored a small church in Soviet Union where it wasn't popular or allowed to be a Christian. And so my father had to pray every single day, even how they would meet for church services. So he, because the communist country, they, were, they wouldn't allow Christians to meet in public places. They had to meet in the woods in the middle of the night, different places, locations, like apartment buildings. And they had to heavily rely on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they would just pray and God would reveal in dreams and visions where to go for church service the ne you know, next Sunday, like literally street addresses and times and sure enough they'd all show up and they would have church service. Isn't that awesome? That's better than any kind of text message, email, fax, smoke signals, right? When the Holy Spirit tells you where to go for church service. And because my father was a Christian, 
living in a communist country, he was hindered from advancing their society. You know, he, he would boldly get up in the middle of street, streets and little bus rides, uh, speaking, proclaiming the gospel, well knowing that he could be taken away and never see his family ever again. But he understood one thing, that the safest place to be is an assignment. If God wants you to be in Ukraine during, right now when there's war going on, that's your safest spot. And that's what gave him bold, boldness and assurance that that's where he needed to be. And he was faithful in that. But there were consequences for, for being a believer because we, we grew up in the country, in a culture where Christians were hindered from advancing in society. The Christians didn't go to the right schools. Christians didn't get the right jobs. And because of that, it affected Christians financially. So my father, he, his bonuses were taken away. He had to settle for jobs that were even, you know, jobs with no, no, pretty much no income whatsoever. And that got to the point to where we had to take turns to go outside to play because we didn't have enough shoes for everybody in the family. So I take my shoes, put them on, go outside, play with my friends for, for a couple of hours, come back take the shoes off and then give it to the next person in line. And the next person in line would do the exact same thing, to go outside play. But sharing shoes is not the only thing we had to share. We also had to share our toothbrushes, which was a humbling experience. So the way that would work is I would take my toothbrush, I would brush my teeth, and when I'm finished, I'd give it to my mom, and my mom, she would wash it with hot water and soap, and then she would give it to the next person in line. And the next person in line would do the same thing. And we didn't have access to a lot of toys, especially new toys. But it didn't stop us from making our own toys. We, we would go outside, we'd find these Coca-Cola caps. And so growing up, I always wanted to have a yo-yo. And we didn't have a yo-yo. So what we would do, is actually very creative now thinking about it. We'd find Coca-Cola bottles, we'd take the cap off, and um, then we'd take, there's, you know when you break the seal of a Coca-Cola bottle, you take the cap off and there's a ring that stays on the bottle. We would remove the ring and we would flip it and it would have these little plastic spikes on them. And they would slide them on the ends of the Coca-Cola caps like this and they would actually lock. And they're stationary. And so we'd make our yo-yos and our yo-yos were like little weapons. It's like a weed eater. When the yo-yo was speeding it would or it was spinning, it would cut through paper, through grass. It was pretty cool, like little scientists, like what else can it cut? <laughs> cut different things. And I would play with our shoes, pretending there were cars, some, some days there were airplanes, boats, rockets. We used our imagination. And another thing we did, which is really cool, I still do it with my kids. I have two boys, I have a nine-year-old and a, a six-year-old, or seven-year-old. And so what we would do on one piece of paper, we would draw like roads and buildings and on a separate piece of paper we would draw cars that were proportional to the roads that we drew and we would cut them out and we would drive on top of those roads. It was like Google map bird's eye view. It was pretty sweet. And now with my boys, we take it to the next level. We've improved the product. Now we color everything. We make buildings in 3D. So it's a lot of fun. And as for food, we pretty much grew up on rice and potatoes, which I often jokingly say that we were vegetarians before it was even cool or popular. We were vegetarians and didn't even know it. What a shame. And we grew up in a tiny three-bedroom apartment with barely any heating or cooling. We only had, um, we didn't have a washer and a dryer. We only had one bathtub. And mom would, would do laundry for us pretty much 24-7 to the point to where her hands would often crack and bleed. And then she would stay up all night and she would make socks and underwear for us out of old clothes or donated material. And my mom... She's a special human being. You know, my mom, she was adopted growing up, so all of her life she, was, she felt this reject and rejection just hovering over her all of her life because of the way she was treated by being adopted. And then on top of that, 
she was we were pretty much rejected by being Christians, and so she tried so hard to make sure that we the few things that we did have that it always looked presentable to the outsiders. Always were you know we always wore clean clothes, but if you think about it, it was already kind of too late because we were already rejected. But mom, she endured a different kind of persecution on top of everything else, because she raised a family. She brought nine kids into this world. People would say some pretty hurtful things to my mom. They would say things like, what are you doing raising such a large family? You can't provide for them. So chances are they'll grow up to be criminals. They will kill, steal, and destroy. And no parent wants to hear that. But what my mom did was so beautiful. And there's no copyright on that. So you guys take it and run with it. She, she understood the devil's a liar. Whatever he says, it's not the truth, right? You just flip it, and that's the truth. So she would take her hands, and every day, every, day, every evening, she would put her hands on her belly with each pregnancy. She would speak life over us. She would speak the opposite. First, she would say that my children, they'll grow up and they will serve the Lord. Everything they touch will prosper. They'll be the head, not the tail. And she just kept watering us with prayer for, for many, many, many years. And I'm sure the first time she did it, she didn't see things happen instantly, right? But because she was so consistent over such a long period of time, now looking back, you know, 20-some years later, all my brothers and sisters are here in the United States. Everyone is serving the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't get anything out of my message this morning, I just want to encourage you, there's power in prayer. There's power in what you speak over, over each other, over little ones especially. It breaks my heart what people speak over their children. But most importantly, what you speak over yourself, right? So how can you love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? And, you know, it's something I learned from my mom as well. I've been married for 12 years, and both of Pregnancies were high-risk pregnancies, and doctors. I love doctors. They're, they're amazing. God bless doctors, but sometimes they can they can fill you with fear, right? And they would say things that we did not want to hear, and it was scary things. And I remember what my mom did. Me and my wife together, we came in agreement. We took our hands, and in agreement, we put our hands on her belly with each pregnancy, and we spoke life over our ch over our children. And you know, both of my kids were born without any complications. They were born naturally. So I just want to, again, encourage you that there's so much power in your prayer, and I want to encourage you to exercise that prayer. So as you can imagine, we grew up very poor on the inside of the apartment, broken furniture. I remember just to turn the water on, sometimes you turn the water on, and there'd be nothing but rust coming out for like a couple minutes. So you had to let it run for a little bit, and then clean water would start eventually showing up. Our walls would freeze over. I'm sure a lot of you have seen Ukrainian apartments on TV nowadays. Uh, those walls would just freeze over in, in winter. They'd be like a sheet of ice on the inside. And then the ice would melt and the wallpaper would just fall on us. And the mom and dad would glue it back up. And uh, so that's the environment we grew up on the inside. And on the outside, just persecution, scarcity, just always lack everywhere we went. But it was during this time that we were invited to come to a Christmas celebration. And this was in the middle of cold Ukrainian winter. We had to hop on the bus and then on the tram just to get to this place. And just getting to that place was a struggle because we were lightly dressed. We couldn't afford winter clothes. And I remember the bus that we drew to get there was missing a window in the middle of winter. So it was very cold in that bus. But I just was so excited to get to this place because I knew it was going to be special. And when we pulled up to this place, I was walking at the same time with a girl that I recognized from my class, and I was just very surprised to see this girl there because I knew that this girl was not a Christian. And for some reason, I assumed that this event was only for Christians because in my culture, people celebrate 
New Year's the way you celebrate Christmas. Old man winter comes on Christmas, he brings gifts. So it's very rare for somebody to celebrate Christmas unless they're Christians. And so I was expecting a room full of Christians, but to my surprise, it was a room filled with all kinds of people from all walks of life. A lot of broken people were in that room. And when we walked into this room, it's like we transitioned from this cold, black and white Ukrainian winter to a colorful room of joy and laughter. There was so much happy music, beautiful, welcoming smiles. They gave us juices and snacks that I've never had before. But most importantly, they presented the gospel to us in so many different and unique ways through singing, dancing, cartoons, movies, animations, flannel boards. They're so visual, so effective. I remember just watching the flannel boards, how it went from a canvas, just, and it had a story along with it. It was very effective. It was so effective that by the end of the evening, if you didn't understand what the gospel was all about, you weren't paying attention because they went above and beyond. And even if they stopped at that, it would have been enough because it truly was like a big birthday celebration for everyone. But then at the very end, they brought out these beautiful and colorful shoeboxes. And when I opened my shoebox, it's like everything that I imagined playing with as a child is like a manifest inside of a shoebox. I had my own yo-yo. I didn't have to make yo-yos out of Coca-Cola caps anymore. And my yo-yo was so big and bulky and thick. It had so much color to it. I just remember thinking, I wish I, wish I could figure out how to put spikes on that yo-yo because it would have been like a bigger weapon. And then I had my own toothbrush. My toothbrush was like a rock star toothbrush. It was like the one to rule them all. It had so much color, personality. The way it was designed, it, it was something very special. No one in my neighborhood had anything similar to that. I also had my own Hot Wheel cars. I didn't have to play with my shoes pretending they were cars anymore. And the cars were just so realistic. I just remember thinking, this is so cool and unique. I had this bar of soap. It was like the whitest white I've ever seen. It was so squeaky clean, so slick, so smooth. It had a print of the dove on top. I called my Holy Spirit in a box because the whole box smelled like it. it sanctified the whole box. In fact, I was willing to not use that soap. I, I just wanted to put it on the shelf because it was like a work of art. It was so beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. And in Ukraine at the time, we had this like old bar of soap. It was like this brick looking thing. It's brown, smelled terrible. Just barely any bubbles. It's the kind of soap you'll find like at the Whole Foods store for a lot of money because it's organic. But I hated that soap. It was so harsh too. So I was willing to use that soap just so I could save this dove. And in fact, to this day, when I go through like the grocery aisle, grocery store, when I go to the grocery stores or just uh, like Walmart and walk through the soap aisle, like the smell of soap immediately takes me back to my shoebox. And everyone always wants to know, like, what's that one item that you enjoyed most out of your shoebox? And for a lot of people, it's different things. For example, I have a, my sister Nadia, she received a shoebox, and she received a Barbie in her shoebox. And back in the 90s, we lived in a you know, big city, capital, Kiev. There was only one girl who had a Barbie uh, during that time, and it was like a luxury item. She wasn't allowed to take it outside because her mom was afraid that it would get stolen, broken, and, and lost. And so what this girl would do, she would get on the balcony, and it was like a sad scene from Romeo and Juliet. She'd get on this balcony, and, and all these girls would gather, and she would show this Barbie to all these little girls. It's like the Pope coming out. Everybody just gather, <laughs> and they all wished they had this Barbie. But when my sister received her Barbie, she arranged sleepovers for all the little girls in the neighborhood to take this Barbie home at least once. And back when we moved in 2000, she gave this Barbie to another family who had a little girl. And then that family gave it to another family. And just recently, we tried to follow up to see where this Barbie went. Well, we lost track. So your gifts go further than you think, and they bless a lot more people than you think. And all that to say that my most memorable item was dental floss. And the reason why it's so memorable for me is because 
I licked it thinking it was candy, and I remember thinking, you guys have some crazy candy in America. Like, what kind of candy is this? But only fools reject things they don't understand. So I got a lot of it together in a ball, popped it in my mouth like a mint. And it had a decent texture to it. It was minty. And there was a guy who was sitting across the room. He, he came over, and, and I could tell he was concerned. He tried to explain to me in his broken Russian that this is not what you think it is. And he, he kind of went like this, which confused me even more because what, what I got out of it is that like it's a toothbrush substitute, which was very confusing to me. I was fine with it being maybe some random dyed American candy, but now I'm thinking like, how is this fancy string supposed to brush your teeth? Maybe the front, but I couldn't figure out how, how you're supposed to brush your teeth in the back. Like that would be so hard. But and it, it wasn't until several years later when we finally moved to Kingsport, Tennessee, and we were at our first dentist appointment. I'll never forget this, it was very funny. Dentist was, um, he was demonstrating what it was really for. It was going between the teeth. And I just remember sitting there thinking, wow, that's genius. Like, I wish I knew what, what it was truly for. Could have saved a few cavities, right? So when you, when you pack shoe boxes, definitely throw some dental floss in. But, but please do not put instructions how to use it. <laughs> I was recently sharing my story, and there was a dentist who heard my testimony ahead of time. And he's been, he has been packing shoe boxes for many years, and he's been throwing these you know, dental floss in with instructions because he didn't want the child, you know, children to be confused. And I had to stop him like in the middle of, his, of our conversation. I said, listen, A for effort, but please cut this out. Like, let him figure it out. What's the worst thing that could happen, all right? You get a little tummy ache, right? But you won't have another Vladimir with a dental floss testimony. And technically, candy is not allowed, but we all know what this is, right? <laughs> this is candy. So, you know, I'm... I'm much older now. I'm no longer nine years old when I received my shoebox. And over the years, you forget the little details about the shoebox, but you never forget how it makes you feel. And when I received my shoebox, it made me feel loved. And I always say that God is love. When you show love to people, you show God to people. When people experience love, they experience God. And once you experience that God's unconditional love, you will not walk away unchanged. And in our culture, we need that kind of love because in our culture, when somebody gives you a gift, they always expect something in return. It's always conditional, it's always transactional. But here's a gift that was given to me with no strings attached, unconditional. I guess the only thing that had strings attached was dental floss, right? And, but most importantly, the gospel comes with these shoe boxes. You know, when children receive the shoe boxes, they don't just get a shoe box filled with new toys, school supplies, and hygiene items, which is awesome. But most importantly, they get introduced to the best gift giver, to Jesus. Because after they receive the shoeboxes, children are introduced, are, are invited to come and participate in a 12-lesson discipleship program called The Greatest Journey, where children learn more about who Jesus is, how to have a relationship with Jesus, and my favorite one, how to share Jesus with others. So it's all about evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. So these shoeboxes, they're more than just gifts. Their gospel opportunities and they bless more than just children because I always say the best way to get to my heart as a parent is through my children right you want to show love to me show love to my children that's how you get to my heart and I can almost guarantee you when these shoe boxes are passed out there's usually always a, a mother somewhere in the corner weeping because somebody showed them love showed their children love and then these children come home they share this experience with, with the family and the family's excited to share with their relatives and it has just a huge ripple effect like you wouldn't believe. But none of this would be possible if it weren't for people like you. So I just wanna say a huge thank you. I am the fruit of your labor and uh, I just wanna encourage you to pack a shoebox this year and when you finish packing shoebox, uh, shoebox, pack one more, right? So thank you so much. I'll be here afterwards if you have any questions, but may God bless you all.
We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.